You're listening to So You Want to Be a Writer, the podcast about the world of writing and publishing. My name's Valerie Koo, and I'm your co-host and CEO of the Australian Writers' Centre, where you'll find courses and a wonderfully supportive writing community. If you're a regular listener, you'll know I usually co-host this podcast every week with my partner in crime, Alison Tate, also known as A.L. Tate, author of the Mapmaker Chronicles, Adam Ann Cipher series, and her latest book is The Firestar, a Maven and Reeve Mystery. I am without the wonderful Alison in this in-between episode. She's busy doing authory things, but we'll be back to our regular programming in the next episode. This week, we've got a bonus writer-in-residence for you. We know how much our listeners love hearing from published authors, editors, publishers, and illustrators, so we're giving you an extra one as a pre-holidays treat. Eva Ramsey is a writer and arts administrator based in Newcastle in New South Wales, Australia, and she's currently operations manager for the Newcastle Writers' Festival and on the board of the National Young Writers' Festival. Her debut novel, The Morbids, has been getting rave reviews for its depiction of anxiety and mental illness, but it's also an uplifting story of hope and kindness with a little bit of romance thrown in as well. It was great chatting with Eva because she has the same anxieties that a lot of emerging writers have. But you know what? She did it. She wrote and she submitted, and she has now been published by Alan and Unwin. So just so you know, we recorded this in November, so you will hear Eva talking about doing NaNoWriMo at the time. So here's my interview with Eva Ramsey. Eva, thanks so much for joining us today and congratulations on your debut novel, The Morbids. I've seen this in bookstores everywhere. Now, for those listeners who haven't got their hands on a copy yet, can you tell us what it's about? It is. So The Morbids is a book about a young woman named Caitlin who is part of a support group for people with death anxiety. Um, That is where the, the titular Morbids come in. Um, we mostly follow Caitlin on her journey as she sort of tries to deal with with her anxiety and find a way to to live despite having the fear that she's she's going to die. Um, it is set in Sydney, and it, I, I think it it's a little bit funny. It gets a little bit dark, um, but yeah, it it mostly is about that experience of anxiety and l- finding ways to live with it. I guess. And how did this idea form? Because it's a very specific premise. Uh, is it something that you experienced or something that, you know, how did the light bulb appear for this story? Okay. Uh, it's It was an interesting one. I hadn't been writing very much and I was just sort of playing around and writing sort of little short scenes. And so the first scene in the book, which is in the support group for the, these characters all who have these very specific fears of their own death, mm. was just something I wrote one day and I didn't really think about it very much. Um, and then a few months later I was, I joined a writing group and we were sort of looking for things to represent our writing and I found it. And for some reason I thought, Hey, there's a, there's a story in here, um, and ran with it. So it's really hard to say where the actual group came from. I mean, the death anxiety aspect, I am the kind of person that I am really terrified about running across roads because I swear I'm going to trip over and get hit by a truck, even if there are no trucks. <laughs> I, don't, I don't walk near the edges of train platforms for the same reason. I didn't wow. get my driver's license until I was 36. You know, it's not a, it's not something that is like 
controls my life, but it's, I'm always that person that is like, what if this, what if that, what if that, you know, I'm taking the washing out of the washing machine and the dryer is mounted above. And I'm like, what if that fails? Oh my God. (laughs) It's just like little snap thoughts and they pass, but Uh I, I guess, you know, to me, it's kind of almost a normal. And it was funny a while ago, I sort of mentioned this to someone and they were like, I don't do that. And no, It was quite weird because I've always just assumed that everyone has that a little bit. And oh. so these characters in the Morbids have that, I guess, to to more of an extreme where it's they're not able to live their lives. Yes. You know, normally anymore, I guess. They're they're really struggling to to get past this fear and and, and function as mm. in society. So they've sought out this support group. Um, originally, I guess it, it was a bit more formal and probably quite productive. And it's just sort of one of those things that sort of fallen about by the wayside and, and has ended up quite a sort of dingy, dark, not particularly helpful place where they just all share notes and mm. probably egg each other on. So I don't know, it, it, that doesn't really answer, I guess, where it came from, but it's sort of hopefully is a little bit of an insight as to well yeah there's obviously a seed of you know the idea was what you feel because that it, the the concept is really quite foreign to me personally but I was talking um to a friend of mine about your book and um she was saying oh yeah I think about my death all the time <laughs> and I'm like really <laughs> and she says don't you and I went never <laughs> so it obviously does happen. Where do you think that comes from? Where you know, like put getting the washing out of the, the getting the laundry out, and you know, thinking the dry is going to fall on you, or whatever. Where do you think that comes from? I don't know. I think it is my. I mean, I am. I mean, it's just my brain is always on the lookout for things that can go wrong, and it's mm. not just. I mean, death for me. It is. It is pretty much everything. You know, having a book out in the world is is one thing after another where it's, you know, is the people going to hate this? Is it going to tank? Is my publisher going to be mad at me? You know, I am ultimately always that person who is, there's that little worst case scenario in my head all the time. And I've always been that way. And I guess the death side of it is, is just another part of that. And, and I guess, you know, I have anxiety and I've always had anxiety. So it's probably, I guess, something to do with that. Um, mm. But it, yeah, it, it's one of those things that is, it's quite can be quite difficult and obviously for the characters debilitating but on when it's you know not too bad it is just it's, it's almost funny like I will have a thought and just be like Eva that is the most ridiculous thing you know <laughs> it's not gonna happen it's fine um and wow and yeah it, I don't know I, I like I like probably like your friend I'm quite surprised when people don't have it yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right so when did you know you wanted to be a writer I, oh, gosh, when I first learned the word as a, a teeny little child, probably. Wow, um, really? I Yeah, and I didn't do it for a very, very long time. I wrote, when I was a little kid, I wrote stories all the time. I think I drove my teachers and my parents mad. Um, and I made, you know, obviously I made my parents buy me like every single book that I could mm. get my hands on. I always had a story on the go in my head, um, even if I wasn't writing it. And it was really sort of the one thing that I wanted to do. And then as I got older, um, probably I guess you'd say that that's where my anxiety got the better of me because it was such a a thing I wanted to do so much that I started to just get really terrified that I wasn't going to be able to. And so I stopped writing um, almost 
pretty much completely for sort of a good 10, 15 years. And really, it's only about five years ago, I um, volunteered for the National Young Writers Festival and sort of got chatting to a few writers and you what? And sort of went, you know, now or never, like, why not give it a shot? You know, it was sort of, mm. I felt like I had to, to try to see whether it was something I could do, you know, before it was, I guess, too late. And mm. yeah. So did you, I mean, you didn't write for such a long time, but it sound, it seems like you were on the periphery of the writing industry, you know, working in different capacities and that sort of thing. Yeah. So when you finally thought, okay, five years ago, I'm going to re-enter this experience, um, was it scary? Like did, what did you do to actually – um, start writing again on a regular basis. It was oh, it's it was terrifying. It's still terrifying. I <laughs> I think that it's almost one of those things that for me the the more people that sort of are aware of me and read my work, the harder it is actually to actually do. I mean, I'm working on a second book at the moment. And I said to my agent yesterday, I feel like she's sitting over my shoulder and shaking her head at every word I write. Oh, um, <laughs> but I think yeah, it was it was absolutely terrifying and. I mean, I, I basically just started out writing short stories. Mm. Um, and so in that National Young Writers Festival in 2015, one of my friends who was one of the co-directors who I was working with, she put on an event and she needed local Newcastle writers and she didn't have any. And um, at the time she said, you're a great writer, you can, you know, do a piece for me. And I did think, you know, you've never read anything I've written, but sure. You know? <laughs> um, so I was kind of plunged a little bit into that deep end, like the, the first sort of work of fiction I'd written in a really long time. I had to read out in front of a room full of people and yeah. they were all really nice about it. And I think that's why <laughs> NYWF um, is just such a lovely welcoming festival. And she reassured me of that she's like, no one's going to laugh at you, even if it doesn't, even if it's not great, you know, people are, are going to be nice and, it's such a, a soft landing for your first sort of public piece. And, mm. but it did sort of, I guess, sort of awaken something in me, I guess. And I started to think, you know, I, I do like this and I do think that I can maybe do this a little bit more. And so I guess, you know, and talking to writers as well as you, you realize that it isn't, maybe as as close like you know obviously getting published is difficult but writing itself is not difficult you just need to have the time and mm. like word so <laughs> you know that barrier to entry is quite low in some ways and and I just thought you know got to do it and and it was easier having people around who were sort of from that same experience because I could talk to them and and you know mm. let my anxieties out and they would sort of be you know we all feel like this sometimes so yeah. Mm. So you get the idea for what eventually becomes the Morbids. Can you just take us through just a bit of a timeline, you know, when you got the idea, how long that it took for your first draft and what happened after that? Yeah, sure. Uh, so, yes, like I said, I wrote the, that opening scene, came back to it a few months later in my writing, my writer's group, um, and there were four of us at the time and they all were like, you need to do something with this. And I felt like I needed to do something with it. And at that point, I think we were meeting fortnightly. And the idea was you do two to 3,000 words for each session and we sort of workshop it together. And I think for about the first three meetings, I stuck to that. And then it sort of really 
snowballed. And I think at one point I was sort of giving them a chapter or two, but I'd already written well ahead. So the the first draft probably mm. took me about maybe two to three months. Okay. Um, and once and sort of yeah, like I said, I started slowly, but then once it hit a certain critical point, it was it was really really quick. Mm. Um, and from there, I revised it. Um, sort of over about the course of six months, I sort of dip in and out. Um, sent it to a friend of mine who worked at a publisher, just sort of a like, you know, is this anything kind of query? And um, I got some really good feedback from her. We sort of worked on it together for a little bit and then parted ways. And from there, I sort of really didn't know how to to take the next step. Like I knew all these people on the periphery of publishing, but it was always – you know, everyone's got that little different piece of advice. Some people are like, get an agent. Some people are like, go direct, yeah. self-publish. It's just, and everything works differently for everybody. Um, yeah. And I had, I made this this spreadsheet of all the major Australian publishers and, and their submission guidelines. You know, some of them are like the first Monday or the last Friday mm. and all of that kind of thing and worked out a timeline of like, right, start here. And I submit and then they reject it and then I go here and they, they reject it. <laughs> I think it took me, it basically took me, this was a good sort of two years ago and it took me well into 2020. I was like, well, then wow. I know it's fast. But I sent it to one, didn't get a response, and then someone on a Facebook group mentioned um, they started talking about agents. And mm. so, you know what, I'm just, I found an agent. They were like, well, we'll you know, if we don't get, if you don't hear from us in two weeks, take it as a no. I thought there's two weeks until I have to send it off to my next publisher. I'll give it a shot. And um, my now agent messaged me the next day and like, send the rest through. And we sort of went from there. Um, What you sent them three chapters or something? I sent, yeah, 50 pages. Yeah. Um, And yeah, she was super enthusiastic. Um, And we worked on it together for about a year mm-hmm. before it went out on submission so wow. still sort of really workshopping it um it was it was actually quite amazing she read it the first time and we spoke and she was like I really love this but I can tell you exactly what is wrong with it oh and <laughs> okay <laughs> and, it, and it was quite scary but also it, you know it was this massive breakthrough because I'd been by this point I think I'd been working on it for about a year and a half and mm. I just couldn't quite get the balance of it right mm. and it just took Grace coming in and just being like this is what I this is what I see mm. and this is what you could do and it's not even a hard fix but it could completely mm. transform it and really that sort of got the ball rolling and and turned it into what it is now and then yeah, about a year after that went out on submission Alan and Unwin picked it up who were my dream publishers from when I knew what publishers were probably <laughs> and yeah a year later out in bookstores so I think do you recall getting the phone call or email or whatever it is when you found out that they were going to take it um yes uh, I was at work and and Grace rang me and and told me and it was I you know it was quite it was so surreal. I mean, mm-hmm. I they were really keen, mm-hmm. um, and I know, like, as you know, I'm always the kind of person that until there's a contract and it's signed, it's never for certain. But I felt mm. after I met with them, 
they were they were so lovely and so enthusiastic and I actually went into their offices um and it wasn't just my publisher it was it was a whole team of them and they were so lovely and what Kelly my publisher had done is she'd given obviously copies of the manuscript to a whole bunch of people in the office and then she'd gotten them to write postcards about why they what they liked about it and what they why they wanted to publish it and if you read the book there, the postcards play a sort of a, a critical role in in Caitlin's relationship with her best friend. And so, yeah, she handed me this little bundle of postcards from oh, everyone wow. else. <laughs> Being like, you know, we really want to publish your manuscript. So I knew that oh. they were really keen and mm. we spoke to a couple of other people and I was almost like hoping that someone wouldn't come in with some amazing offer because I was like, I really want <laughs> I don't want to have to make a decision here that is based on anything because I, you know, I felt from that first meeting that they were, they were going to be the right home for it. And I'm, they've been so amazing. And especially through COVID, it's, it's been, it's not the best time I think to be sort of trying to release a book and do publicity, but they have just been a hundred percent on board the entire time. Oh, wow. Great. All right. So you, by that time, your agent had, given you some feedback and you had, you know, tweaked it. Um, So they were seeing that version. After you started the relationship with Alan and Unwin, was there um, significant editing after that? Probably not too much. Obviously I had a a structural edit. I worked with Mm. um, Ali Laveau who is an absolute gem. Um, So she did my structural and my uh, copy edit and she had – she had a few tweaks, but I think because I guess Grace and I had been working on it for a good year before it had gone mm. out on submission, um, it was already really quite close to there. So it was, I think the main thing after that publication date was because, as I said earlier, you know, it, it, it it's a story that balances the, the sort of the light and the funny and, and there's a little bit of a romance in it with sort of darker themes around mental illness and um, anxiety. And so I think at that point we were really just trying to make sure we had that balance right between those two sort of aspects of the book. Um, mm. But it was, I mean, it, I I absolutely loved working with Ali and I love working with any editor. It's always so amazing to have someone um, come in and read your work and understand it and be like this mm. is what you need to do to take it to that next level. And, mm. yeah, so it was, it, but, yeah, we had it pretty clean I think by the time it got to them. Yeah. So when you, um, now that it's out, um, are you already working on your next novel or were you, or had you even like perhaps started that some time ago? I've been trying to write something. I've had an idea. It's, it's almost worked backwards with my second one, which is maybe why it's taken me a little bit longer, but like with the morbids, I wrote this scene and then the book sort of evolved from that and I didn't really know where I was going until it was written. Mm. This time it's almost like I've had an idea and there's something I want to write about and probably for about the last six months I've been tinkering and I've made, you know, I've made a couple of starts and, mm. you know, I've gotten a thousand words down or I've written a scene here or I've had a thought there of what I want to do. Um, but I have, I'm, I'm just doing NaNoWriMo at the moment in this, oh. this attempt to actually get the bulk of a manuscript out on the page because it's it's been I feel like I'm sort of dithering a little bit like I've you know because I've I'm coming at it with the idea instead of letting the narrative mm. take me I feel like I'm 
it's actually harder. And mm-hmm. it, like I said, this, it feels like there's just so much more pressure. I don't, I'm not good with pressure. Why, but why, I, why, <laughs> why, do, why is there more pressure? I just feel like, I guess it's not, when I was writing The Morbid, there was a part of me that didn't know if anyone would ever read it. And this time oh. I'm writing something and I'm just aware that people are going to read it. And yeah. even if it is only my agent and she's like, oh, we're not going to publish this, <laughs> it's still, it's not something that I feel like I can just shove in the bottom of a drawer and never think about again. I'm, I'm thinking about yeah. where I'm too, I'm thinking, I guess, too big picture in terms of the process and what happens next and what we do with it instead of just focusing on the story. And, and yeah, I, I think when you have a team, there's always, mm. and it's like every time we've added someone to the team, so first it was Grace and then it was Kelly Allen and I want everyone else, like every time you add another team member, there's like there's another person that's almost relying on me to come perform. through with the goods. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> so you sound like you feel that pressure and you've mentioned several times now that you felt terrified in various parts of the journey. So my question is were there any points that were enjoyable and where you were not terrified and anxious and um and and as well as that how did you do you manage that feeling? Uh, yeah, it's I mean, I feel like I have made it sound like it's a really excruciating experience and it's not. (laughs) Like it obviously having a story come together is there's a kind of magic to it and I guess that is what keeps me going is those moments where you're like, right, I figured this out and now it works and having someone respond to it, especially um, since it's come out, it's been so amazing the number of people who've just gotten in touch and been like Mm. I've never seen this expressed in this way or I've never you know I've felt Mm. like this and I've never seen it written about and I you know it makes me feel it's so it's worth it all it's worth it all I guess and and I have you know I have a little file of those notes (laughs) and messages and reviews where I'm like okay I feel like I can't write right now but if I look at it I clearly can do something and it is doing something but I think I mean even just the process it it can be difficult and painful but I think there is a satisfaction in in also doing it I mean mm. I there's so many people I know who you know I mentioned that I've written a book and I'd love to do that and I don't feel like I'm particular I, I, I have massive imposter syndrome so I'm or <laughs> never like I'm good or anything like that but it is to feel like well I've done this thing that so many other people would love to do and that is kind of cool in a way. Yes, I mean it's been incredibly well received, Um, not only in, you know, people who've written reviews about it but also people that I've spoken to, you know, who've Mm. told me what they thought about it. Um, There was one review that wasn't the the most ideal review and I thought that I was really quite surprised by it, quite frankly. Um, How do you deal with that? I think probably on some level not well. But I also disagreed with it, I would like to add. But anyway, please go. I mean, it is. And the thing I have to keep reminding myself and I remind myself of every time, you know, you do get a review that's less than great is that no book is for everybody. Mm. Um, There are plenty of books that are beloved 
by so many people that I haven't enjoyed. Mm, um, I mean, yes, I, I had a falling I nearly had a falling out with my agent when I told her I didn't love normal people. I think <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. I was like, it's so it was just too bleak. Um, mm. But so I have to keep reminding myself of that there is no book out there that everybody loves. Um, and I wrote this book, I guess I didn't write it necessarily with an audience in mind. But when I do hear from those people that have connected with it, I mm. I have to remind myself that, that that's they're in a way more important, you know, that for, you know, people can not like it, but someone over here is, has felt seen for the first time or felt understood for the first time. And that is more important mm. to me as a writer. Mm. Um, yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't necessarily make it sting any less when you're, you're reading it. Um, I think mm. maybe with that particular review, one of the hardest things was sort of it, it sparked a lot of a bit of a Twitter storm that, I sort of had to take a step, bit of a step back from social media because I just felt so overwhelmed by the discussion of it, mm. um, more so than the review even. But, you know, it you put yourself out there, not everyone is going to like what you do at the end of the day. So sort mm. of got to move on and, and focus on those little saved things I have in my various folders. No, Eva, there are many, many, many other people who <laughs> like what you do and who are loving your writing. So I want to conclude with what would your top three tips be for aspiring writers who, you know, they want their debut novel out there? Mm. Um, I think the first one would be just to write, just to, to, to find the time and be a little bit selfish about it. Mm. Um, it can be so easy especially when it's something that is not making you money or that is, you know, you don't think is ever going to necessarily get anywhere to treat it like a hobby that you fit around other things. And I think it it is quite important to just be like, well, this is my writing hour. This is, this time is my writing time. And, and some of that is self-discipline, but also some of it is just selfishness, especially, I know if you're a little bit older or you, you've got family or study or something, you know, just really trying to be precious about your writing time mm. a little bit, even if you get no words down, even if you get 50 words down, you know, 50 words is better than no words, 100 words is better than 50 words, but, you know, 20 words is someday. Better than nothing. I, exactly. <laughs> if it's not written, then you can't get anywhere with it, I guess. Yeah. The second one I think is find a community, um, mm. whether that is, I mean, I don't think this, there's no way this book would be out there if it wasn't for me volunteering for the National Young Writers Festival. Mm-hmm. I'm really lucky in that I live in Newcastle and that's where that's based so I could do that. But mm-hmm. even online there's so many little sort of writing groups online and really writers on Twitter and Instagram are actually really quite open and happy to chat and yeah. sometimes, you you know, you can sort of get into those communities and writing is so solitary and getting out of your head and talking to other people who do it is really great. And I mean, it's not even about building contacts. It's just about finding people who are going through similar things to you. Mm. And a third one, um, cause they're my top two that I always go to. Mm. A third one would be, Oh gosh, I'm stumped. <laughs> <laughs> just don't be afraid of it. Um, mm. you never know until you try which sort of is a little bit tied into the first one, I guess. But, I mean, if you never write and you never send it out, then you will never be published. Mm. If you write and send it out, you may not. 
I mean, it's, it's, I'm not going to pretend it's easy. And I had an, an incredibly sort of easy road. I guess I didn't have, you know, many rejections at all, but, mm-hmm. um, there's the chances of it being successful of you being successful. If you send something out are higher than the chances of you being successful. If you never send anything out, yeah. if you never send anything <laughs> out, it's an automatic rejection, you know? You, yeah. So I think it's just trying to remember that, you know, it's, it can be hard, but so long as you're doing it, then there's a chance that you can can get there, I think. Fantastic. And on that note, thank you so much for your time today, Eva. Thank you, Valerie. Thank you so much. It's been great chatting to you. The Morbids by Eva Ramsey is out now with Alan and Unwin. It's an extraordinary debut and I can't wait to see what Eva publishes next. If you'd like to write and publish your own novel in a supportive environment with other like-minded aspiring writers, check out our Write Your Novel program. That's what published author Frances Chapman did. Hear what she has to say. This podcast is brought to you by the Australian Writers' Centre, a world leader in writing courses. If you're serious about completing your own novel manuscript, immerse yourself in our inspiring and motivational six-month program, Write Your Novel. Filled with weekly workshopping and practical lessons, you'll receive advice on structure, dialogue and much more, as well as tips on publishing. The online program fits around your weekly schedule and you'll get extensive personal feedback from your classmates and tutor throughout the program. Here's what Frances Chapman says. Hi, I'm Frances Chapman and I've done several courses at the Australian Writers' Centre. I was looking for a course that uh, would introduce me to other people who would be able to tell me if, if it was any good or if I was on the right track. I first enrolled in a creative writing course at the Australian Writers' Centre and I really liked the tutor of that course so I had, an, had another look and she was doing a um, six month write your novel course the next year and I was also pregnant and so I was on maternity leave and I thought oh this would be a great opportunity to focus on my writing. The course was so valuable in so many ways. I felt found writing such a solitary, lonely pursuit in some ways. And this gave me an opportunity to meet other people who were going through the same kind of process. And I found some people who were willing to give me some really constructive and helpful feedback on what I was writing. The other thing that was really valuable in that course was learning some of the fundamentals of storytelling. I was a very sort of intuitive writer, but the actual building blocks of telling a story that was not something that I knew anything about. Um, these were things I'd really struggled with and that course gave me some of those fundamentals. I was so fortunate to be shortlisted for the Amsterdam Prize. And then about a week or so later, she called me and said that I was the winner and I was trying so hard to be cool. <laughs> and I, um, I jumped up and down and I made like little noises, but not into the phone and into the phone I was saying, Yes, that's, yes, that sounds fine. That would be great. Yes, lovely. Okay, but inside I was just hyperventilating. My debut novel, Stars Like Us, is about a teenage rock band who hit the big time and things don't go as planned. It's a whirlwind adventure and I'm really excited about it. So I'm always writing, but I keep two days to myself a week for my fiction writing. I think putting boundaries around your time is really important. It's really important to sit down and take that time for yourself to write. You're not a writer if you don't have any readers. That's the role that workshopping plays in bridging that gap. I would highly recommend any courses at the Australian Writers' Centre. Any author can, at any stage of their career can benefit from hearing the input of other writers. 
Find out more at writerscentre.com.au slash novel writing. Thanks for listening to your bonus writer in residence of So You Want to Be a Writer. You'll find more details about the podcast and a wealth of writing resources at writercentre.com.au. If you haven't yet joined our podcast listener community, please do. It's free to join. It's on Facebook. Just search for So You Want to Be a Writer podcast community on Facebook and request to join. We'd love to have you in there. It's a wonderfully supportive writing community. This podcast is brought to you by the Australian Writers' Centre. Connect with us on social media at writerscentreau on Twitter and Instagram, and both Alison and I will be back to our regular programming in your next episode. Thanks for listening, and I look forward to chatting to you again next time. Thanks for listening to So You Want to Be a Writer. You'll find the show notes at writerscentre.com.au slash podcast or sign up for our awesome and often hilarious weekly newsletter at writerscentre.com.au slash news where you'll find writing resources, giveaways, competitions and much more.